Acts chapter 9, verse 13. Then Ananias answered. We're kind of jumping into the middle of a story. God has arrested Paul, blinded him, spoken to him. Then Ananias, a man named Ananias is coming, and now God is speaking to Ananias, and Ananias isn't so sure he's the right person. Then Ananias answered, Lord, I have heard from many about this man, how much harm he has done to your saints in Jerusalem. And here he has authority from the chief priest to bind all who call on his, your name. But the Lord said to him, go. For he is a chosen vessel of mine to bear my name before Gentiles, kings, and the children of Israel. For I will show him how many things he must suffer for my name's sake. This evening, for a little while, I want to minister to us on this subject. A God who repeats himself. A God who repeats himself. God bless you. you may be seated. I didn't mention it earlier, but I'm thankful for my family, for my wife who's here and kids. God's been good to me. God been good to you? Amen. Amen. He's a good God. And those descriptive attributes of God, they fill the pages of the Bible from Genesis to Revelation. He's creator. He's the I am that I am. He's the Lord of angel armies. He who was and is and is to come, our Savior. But as a born-again believer who has been redeemed from sin and reconciled into a saving relationship with Jesus Christ, it is the love and the mercy and the kindness and the long-suffering and the goodness of God that I often find myself ascribing to Him in my praise and my prayers. You see, I readily identify with David's song in Psalms 86, verse 5, where he writes, For you, Lord, are good and ready to forgive and abundant in mercy to all those who call upon you. In verse 15, he writes, But you, O Lord, are a God full of compassion and gracious long-suffering, and abundant in mercy and truth. I'm just thankful this evening that that's the God that we serve, that he's abundant in mercy. He is full of compassion. He is gracious. He is long-suffering, and he is abundant in mercy. But God isn't just merciful and long-suffering to sinners. He is merciful and long-suffering to you and I as sons and daughters. I don't know about you this evening, but if it wasn't for the merciful kindness of God, where would I be? I didn't just need mercy and grace and compassion and goodness and kindness and long-suffering when I was a sinner, and I certainly needed it then, but, but I need it now as a disciple more than ever. 
Amen. Because sometimes when God speaks to me through his word and through his spirit, I can deflect through excuses. I can fail to grasp feeling his glory, celebrating the word, maybe praying for you. I can fail to grasp that God is talking to me. And that God really does expect me to do what he has said. Amen? That it's not about you, him, her, or them. It's about me. Amen? And so, uh, I know this is not applicable to any of you. But, but I'm grateful for the long-suffering mercy of God. That God is a God who repeats himself. I mean, God could just speak once and justifiably hold us accountable. Consider the Great Commission which is indisputably the mission of every believer. It, it's indisputable by the scriptures. It's repeated in the scriptures. And, and Jesus could not have been any more clear. You know, you know what he said in Matthew 28 and 18. All authority has been given to me in heaven and earth. That's, I mean, whether it, you, you don't have to know Greek, Hebrew, Portuguese, or Swahili to understand that all authority is all authority. And then there is that mission. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Amen. And here we go. Deflect, exempt them, he, her, who? Me? Sorry, just I'm the only one that does that. And, and yet here is reality. If, if God was a God who only spoke once, every one of us would immediately be guilty of a dereliction of duty. We would be court-martialed in the throne room of heaven and we would be ushered right out of the church. But instead, we're here tonight. And we're here because God patiently and God persistently repeats himself to people just like you and me. And we see this illustrated throughout all of the scriptures. Are you ready? You go to Exodus chapter 3. And we find Moses is tending sheep on the backside of the desert. God appeared to him out or speaks to him out of the burning bush. And in Exodus 3 and 4, so when the Lord saw that Moses had turned aside to kind of look at the bush that's burning and not being consumed, that would grab my attention. That God called to him from the midst of the bush, and that would really grab my attention, and said, Moses, Moses. And Moses appropriately said, here I am. Now, some of us may be familiar with the story, but 
God then called Moses to consecration and to surrender to his lordship and remove his sandals and you're standing on holy ground and, and God really uh, then encapsulate his covenant plans to save his people and deliver them from Egypt. But then God commands Moses to go back to Egypt as the agent of deliverance. And that's when we get a front row seat to an unfolding conversation between God and Moses because maybe Moses is struggling with past failures and maybe Moses might have been dismissive that God could use somebody like him and maybe Moses was fearful of losing his what possessions he had kind of accumulated again or maybe he was fearful of losing the comfort of his family or his life. But whatever the case and whatever was going on with Moses, Moses hears the direct word of God, but he offers up not one, not two, not three, but five objections to why he should be exempt from God telling him to go be an agent of deliverance. And yet every time Moses protests, and every time Moses deflects, and every time Moses tries to just kind of weasel out of his calling, God graciously just affirms with divine revelation and repeats himself every single time. First, Moses wants to know, who am I that you would dare call me? In verse 11, Moses says, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh, that I should bring the children of Israel out of Egypt? Who am I? And, and, this, and God comes back, not with a lightning bolt, not with a slap across the face, not with a rebuke, but God says, I will certainly be with you. I hear you, Moses. I will be with you. Then Moses says, well, who are you to be with me? <laughs> and Moses says, hey, when, when I go, when I stand before the children of Israel and I say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me, and then they say to me, well, okay, what's his name? What shall I say to them? And that's where we have that amazing scripture we love. And God says to Moses, again, there's not a rebuke. There's just a repetition. I am who I am. And God said, thus you shall say to the children of Israel, I am has sent me to you. Now that ought to be enough. I am everything you need, I am. Whatever fill in the blank doubt you have, I am. Whatever weakness you have, I am. Whatever struggle you have, what am. Whatever reason you have, they're not going to listen, I am. However strong you think Pharaoh is, I am, I am, I am. But not Moses. So now it's not about him and it's not about God. Now it's about the people. And Moses said, but suppose they, they will not believe me. They will not listen to my voice. And suppose they say, I don't believe it. The Lord hasn't told you that. I mean, really, at this point, at this point, I would be so exacerbated by Moses. 
I would have just sent a lightning bolt. <laughs> burning bush, burning Moses. <laughs> right? But that's me. And that's you. That's not God. Because he's a God who repeats himself. So God says, what's in your hand? It's a rod. Throw it down. It's a snake. Pick it up. Nope. Pick it up. It's a rod. Look at your hand. Stick it in your coat. Pull it out. It's lepers. That's scary. Stick it in. Pull it out. It's clean. And Moses, if they won't listen to all that, take a cup of water, pull it out of the river, and when you pour it out on dry land, water will become blood. I am that I am. Go, arise, you're the agent. You're the one I've chosen. I'm going to do it through you. Yes, you. But here we go again. Now it's his communication skills. Moses said, oh Lord, I am not eloquent, neither before nor since you have spoken to your servant. I wasn't good at talking when you, before you talked to me. I'm sure enough not good at talking now. I don't know what to say. I get confused. I get backed into a corner. I don't think well on my feet. I'm not a good arguer. I don't know how to tell jokes. God, I can't do this. I am slow of speech. I am slow of tongue, even though Hebrew says he's mighty in words. So he's kind of fudging here a little bit. But here's God. The Lord said to him, who has made man's mouth? Or who makes the mute, the deaf, the seeing, or the blind? Have not I, saith the Lord. Now therefore, go. I will be your mouth and teach you what you shall say. Kind of sounds like Acts, where, or, or where Jesus told his disciples, not in Acts, in the Gospels, don't worry about what you're going to say. I will tell you what to say in that hour. So you can stay up and rehearse all night all you want. You have no idea what they're going to ask you. So be, be spirit-led, word-grounded, and I will direct you. Not Moses. It's not enough. Not enough. So now there's this feeble, fifth, final plea. Oh, Lord, please sin. Please spare. Please not me, God. Sin by the hand of whomever else you may sin. God, it doesn't matter who it is. I don't even care who it is. Just send somebody else. And now, now we see that God does finally reach the point of saying enough is enough. And God says, I've sent your brother Aaron to be your spokesperson. I'll tell you what to say. I'll teach you what to do. Now just go and do what I've called you to do. And I don't know if God changed the tone in his voice and Moses was concerned about the lightning bolt, but the Bible says that that is exactly what Moses did. And you and I know that the rest is history because we have a merciful God who will repeat himself to you and I. We see another example of this uh, repetition in God's mercy in Acts chapter 10. Cornelius, of course, is a Roman centurion, but he's a God-fearer. He worships God. He gives to the poor. He prays often, but he was not a Jewish convert. Um, and, but Cornelius has this vision from God, and God commands him to send for Peter. It's very specific. 
who's staying with Simon the Tanner in Joppa. And this is what God tells uh, Cornelius in Acts chapter 10, verse 6. He will tell you what you must do. Next day in Joppa, Peter goes to the rooftop to pray around noon. And like some of us right now, he gets hungry and he asks for lunch. And, and meanwhile, while he is waiting on lunch, it'd be pretty nice to say, hey, lunch. <laughs> They're preparing his lunch below, but while he is waiting on lunch, Peter also has a divine vision. And verse 11 of Acts chapter 10 says, And he saw heaven open, an object like a great sheet bound by the four corners, descending to him and let down to earth. And in it were all kinds of four-footed animals, wild beasts, creeping things, and birds of the air. And a voice came to him, Arise, Peter, kill and eat. But, but this vision violated Peter's Jewish cultural norms. And this vision from God upended his worldview. The, Peter had a few things to talk about with God about this vision. I, I mean, it, it's Peter. Peter who has denied the Lord three times. Peter whom God has restored with three recommissionings on that seashore in John 21. Peter, who above all people ought to be at the front of the line saying, send me, Lord, send me, Lord, send me. Peter, does he jump up and say, yes, sir? No. Just like Moses, he, he offers up an excuse to God that surely, God, you aren't saying what you just said. Verse 14, and Peter said, not so, Lord. I mean, that, that's only Peter can do that to God. You don't understand, God. They don't speak my language. They don't see the world the way I see it. They don't share my values. They don't eat the way I eat. They don't dress the way I dress. In fact, they are everything I don't like. I have never eaten anything common or unclean. It's pretty self-righteous. And then verse 15, what happens? And a voice spoke to him again the second time. What God has cleansed, you must not call common. Now, if you've had that vision and if God has spoken to you, would you not be ready to go? If, if God has given you a vision and God speaks to you, th that's probably enough, right? But that's not Peter. Because the Bible tells us that that vision was repeated not once, not twice, but the vision was repeated three times. Three times God speaks to Peter in a vision. And then we find Peter is still continuing to ponder what could this mean? That's when Cornelius' servants arrive and the Spirit speaks to him in verse 20. 
and says, Arise, therefore, go down and go with them, doubting nothing, for I have sent them. And thanks be to God, that's what Peter did. And the rest is history. Because standing in Cornelius' house, surrounded by a host of Gentiles, Peter simply preaches and tells them and testifies of Jesus Christ, culminating in verse 43, to him all the prophets witness that through his name, whoever believes in him will receive remission of sins. And while Peter was still speaking those words, the Holy Spirit fell on them who heard the word. And those who were with him who were Jewish were astonished because the gift of this Holy Spirit had been poured out on the Gentiles also. Why? Because they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. And Peter, and Peter, hard-headed Peter, says, Hey, can anyone now forbid water that these should not be baptized who have received the Holy Spirit just as we have? And he then did what God had told Cornelius Peter would do. Peter told them what they must do. Be baptized in the name of the Lord. So this first recorded account of the Gentiles, that, by the way, is you and I, of being saved, happened because we serve a God who is willing to repeat himself. Amen. And this is, I don't want to get sidetracked, but, but you can't help but read Acts 10 and, and, and just have to pause and affirm that yet again, the Bible clearly explains to us what it means uh, when Peter would say that all the prophets witnessed that through his name, whoever believes in him, what? Will receive remission of sins. And what did, what did that mean? It meant that, that they would receive the gift of the Holy Spirit and that they would be baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. So when the Bible says, believe on him and be saved, you and I can understand that in every example to believe on the Lord and be saved as in Acts chapter 2 where, where Peter quotes Joel or to believe on the Lord for the remission of sins as Peter refers to the prophets here in Acts 10, that does not mean mental ascent. That does not mean that you just mentally decide that's great, he's God's ticket sign of going to heaven. No, that means you must exercise obedient faith. And in every case of the Bible, that means you will repent of your sins. You will believe and receive his spirit. And you will call on his name in baptism, the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Since we're one that's Pentecostal, just thought I'd remind us of that. But here we are this evening and, you know, well, that was Moses, and that was Peter, and of course God would repeat himself to them. Those were extraordinary heroes of faith, and those were monumental callings, and you know, it, but, but, but me, I'm just ordinary. I mean, I'm just a disciple trying to live for God, make it to heaven, and hope my family goes with me. I mean, I mean, that's Moses, and, and, and that's Peter, and, 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 and they were special. They were special. 
but maybe not how you think they were special. And so let's go back to our text in Acts chapter 9. And there we find Paul is on a rampage. Excuse me, Saul. He's not Paul yet. Saul is seeking to expand his campaign of terror. He's not content to merely drive them out of Jerusalem. He wants to chase them down and eradicate them off the planet. And the Bible says, as he journeyed, he came near Damascus and suddenly a light shone around him from heaven. He falls to the ground. He hears a voice saying, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And Saul said, who are you, Lord? And then the Lord said, I am Jesus, whom you're persecuting. It is hard for you to kick against the goad. And when, 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 when the Lord, Yahweh, the I am that I am, answered, I am Jesus, Paul understood exactly what he was saying as he would write to his protege, Timothy, for there is one God and one mediator between God and men, the man, Christ Jesus. Paul's blindly laying on the road to Damascus. He's trembling. He's astonished. And he says, Lord, what do you want me to do? And the Lord says, arise, go into the city, and you will be told what you must do. Paul does that. He lays awestruck for three days, no food, no water at his quarters in Damascus. And he has another vision of a man named Ananias coming to him, laying his hands upon him in prayer and him being able to see again. But meanwhile, there was a man named Ananias. And in verse 10, the Bible says, now there was a certain disciple, not a superhero, not an apostle. Uh, he, he appears on the stage of history and he exits the stage of history in the matter of a few verses. He was just like you. He was just living for God, minding his own business, walking with God, walking and living in the spirit. A certain disciple at Damascus named Ananias and to him... Not Peter, not James, not John, not Barnabas, not Philip. Nope, none of them. To a certain disciple named Ananias, the Lord said, Ananias. And Ananias said, here I am, Lord. So the Lord said to him, I want you to arise. I want you to go to a street, a street called Straight and inquire at the house of Judas for one called Saul of Tarsus. For behold, he is praying, and in a vision he has seen you coming in, putting his hand on him so that he might receive his sight. But like Moses, and like Peter, and like you, and like me, Ananias had issues with the first take of the vision. And Ananias exclaimed or answered and said, Lord, uh, Lord, that was a great sermon for her, him, and them. But that wasn't a sermon for me. Lord, I have heard, I, I mean, I've heard, Lord, from many about this man, how much harm he has done to your saints, that's me, 
in Jerusalem. And here he is with authority to bind all, that's me, who call on your name. God had told him, Ananias, arise and go. Ananias says, can't be talking to me. Surely not me. I mean, I mean, Lord, send Sister Steinman. But the Lord said to him, go. For he is a chosen vessel of mine to bear my name before Gentiles, kings, and the children of Israel. And I will show him how many things he must suffer for my name's sake. And then the Bible says that Ananias went his way, entered the house, laid hands on him, and said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road as you came has sent me that you may receive your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. And immediately there fell from his eyes something like scales, and he received his sight at once, and he arose and was baptized. It was an ordinary disciple named Ananias who served as God's anointed and authorized ambassador to Saul who would become the Apostle Paul. It was Ananias who boldly greeted Saul as a brother. It was Ananias who got to lay hands on Saul and witness God heal him and witness God fill him with the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And though the scriptures are silent, it is likely it was Ananias who got to baptize Saul in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And all because we serve a God who will repeat himself. So what are you trying to say? You've been going on a long time. It's time to go. Here's what I'm trying to say. Throughout this year and the history of this church, you and me have been called to embrace and live out the Great Commission in message after message after message after message after message that God has repetitively affirmed his word through the gifts of tongues and interpretation as Paul gives in 1 Corinthians 12 over and over and over and over and over. And above all that, we have a Bible that is replete with unmistakable clarity of his will and calling for every single believer. God loves every single person on the planet just like he loves me and just like he loves you. We are his mission. You are his mission, but they are his mission. And God has chosen us as ordinary believers to serve as his anointed and authorized ambassadors to our world. 
And you and I, brothers and sisters, are the only method that God has chosen to orchestrate and accomplish his purpose to seek and save the lost. So God patiently and persistently keeps calling you, not him and not her and not them, but God patiently and persistently keeps knocking on the door of my heart and arresting my spirit and speaking to me, to me and to you, God patiently and persistently calls for you and me to arise and to go and to do what God has called us to do. And he continues to prick our conscience and to arrest our heart. And God keeps rattling our cage of convenience so we will free ourselves to pursue his purpose. God has countless souls, chosen vessels in our city, not in Madagascar alone, not in Tanzania or Peru or Singapore or Canada or Mexico, but in Atlanta, Georgia, and our metro area. God has countless souls and chosen vessels, and God will lead you to them, and God will reveal himself to them in dreams and visions, and God will also reveal himself through our testimony. Again, I'm not trying to be funny, but not through his testimony and not through her testimony, but through your testimony. God wants, he really wants, he really wants to use you to reach our city one person at a time. That's why I know, I know it's another mission. It's another mission. I could preach it myself. I'd be glad to hand you the mic. It would have been a much funner day if you would have come and preached this message. I know you've heard it a thousand times. I know I preached it a dozen times and Brother John's hundreds of times. But would you just hear the echo of the Lord Jesus Christ that he is a God who repeats himself. He's not standing in judgment. He's not trying to smash you in the face. He's not Zeus with a lightning bolt ready to strike you. He is patient, but he is persistent because he loves every person on the planet. And you are his chosen agent to reach them. Uh, not Brother Bernard, uh, uh, not DJ Hill, but you, 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 you are the person God wants to use to reach them one person at a time. And so God just keeps repeating himself. Throughout the summer and early fall, I've been privately, personally disturbed. I see gas flow see what's with the party or not. And I, I've heard a thousand messages on my world, my mission. And so I've just tried to prayerfully embrace and tell myself almost daily to simple faith. I'm just gonna live with simple faith today. I have a master's degree in complication I'm just going to live with simple faith.
faith that I am an ambassador of reconciliation. No excuses and no exemptions. No matter how many hours I spend in a church office surrounded by church staff doing church work for church people, there are no excuses and there are no exemptions. I am an ambassador of reconciliation. And just prayerfully asking God, Lord, I think you can speak to me. I think you can lead me. There are people who are spiritually hungry. No excuses. Well, well, I live this far away. They're busy. Life's crazy. Can't talk to neighbors. They don't share politics. Different culture. I don't know. I just like to keep the circle small. Just me and mine. And, and please, I, I, I don't have all the answers, but I'm just trying to live with simple faith. And about six weeks ago, Holly and I walk, as we do often lots of evenings through our neighborhood, and we uh, met a new couple in our neighborhood who were out walking, recently moved in, and uh, would you believe in the initial conversation, the subject of finding a church came up? That does not happen. You're not supposed to talk about that. I mean, I didn't ask them. I didn't bring it up. I mean, I'd like to tell you that I just went out, swung up, jumped out, green beret. Wow! You know, I was just walking with a dog and talking. I just talked to a neighbor, welcomed them. How's, how's it going? And, and they, they brought up looking for a church. Well, all I know is standing on that sidewalk, I knew it. I knew it. This was a divine connection. Simple faith. It's a long ways, complicated, I, different culture of the spouse, I, but I knew it. It's felt the affirmation of the Spirit that this is what I'm talking about. I don't know how it will unfold, but I do know that kindness, friendship, and a simple invitation has led them to come to church with us and just sit with us. I do know that there's an opportunity of a Bible study with a family, and, and I don't have all the answers, and I don't know how it all unfold. But I'm so thankful for a God who repeats himself a God of everlasting mercy and long-suffering kindness. And instead of rejecting us or firing us, he just patiently and persistently repeats himself. Arise and go. I'll lead you. I'll tell you what to say. I'll teach you what to do. And if you and I will embrace a simple faith in him, quit deflecting, quit exempting, quit offering excuses. I'm not judging. I have to look in the mirror. God will lead us to one person at a time. And it will result in a paradigm 
shattering growth of his kingdom in our city and our world because there is a people who are wanting to be delivered and they may question who is your God and who sent you but he's already given you the answer I am that I am has sent you there are unreached people groups behind doors who are having dreams and visions and they're waiting for someone to come and tell them about Jesus. You don't even have to have a pretty sermon. You're just going to open your mouth and God's spirit will fall and they will be filled with his spirit and they will hear the word to be baptized in his name. There are Pauls that are in our city that you and I will have the privilege to knock on their door, pray for them and see God affirm himself through the miraculous and watch God use them to do incredible exploits for his kingdom. And we were the ones who were with them when God filled them with his spirit. If you're able, please stand. I don't even know what to ask you to do tonight. But I'm immensely grateful for a God who repeats himself. And you've heard a lot of messages that sound a lot of what I said tonight. But I'm here one more time representing the Lord Jesus Christ, knocking on the door of your heart and speaking your name to do his purpose in you and through you. Not him and them her, but you, you. And if each one of us would just reach one, who knows? Who knows? Throw the rules and the standards and the norms and the practices and the typical and this, throw it all out the window and just let God be God and see what God will do to reach our city. I wonder if you would just join me in the front if you're able. If you're not, you can pray where you're at in your chairs. And I think I'm just trying to speak on behalf of the Lord if I could say that. and Just ask you, would you hear His voice again? He's not angry. You've deflected, you've excused, you've exempted. I'm not angry, he's not angry. But he's persistently knocking on the door of your heart again tonight. Maybe he's speaking their name to you right now. Maybe you're going to walk your dog down your sidewalk and you're going to meet a neighbor tomorrow. Maybe there's a co-worker who's going to have a dream tonight that you're going to come talk to them in their cubicle. You're going to be the agent of God when you step forward and just be nice to them tomorrow. I don't know. I don't know. But I'm thankful that we serve a God who repeats himself and who allows you and I the opportunity to finally get it to arise to go.